Andrew Giuliani wants to be the next governor of New York. Andrew Giuliani. I shouldn't fumble your last name because that's key here, Andrew. It's not that, Andrew. On the Red Apple Podcast Network, here's Andrew Giuliani. Last week, Governor Hochul signed the Democrats' bill in Albany, which, remember, you have two supermajorities in the state assembly and the state senate, that okays mail-in on demand as a voting law. Now, you ask yourself, well, is this popular by New Yorkers, right? We know that New York is a mostly blue state, even though we are fighting the good fight here. And you can see maybe it's getting a little less blue, right? Let's look at the 2022 gubernatorial election. That was close, right? We're starting to see maybe in New York City, more Republicans starting to catch on a little bit. It's an uphill battle, no doubt about it. But Maybe voters would have a say on this. In 2021, they actually put a proposal on the ballot for the public to decide whether or not there should be mail-in on-demand an amendment to the New York State Constitution. By the way, New Yorkers said, no, thank you. And they didn't just say by one or two points, by 10 points, 55 to 45, they said, Absolutely not. We don't want this. We want to have some kind of belief in our voting. We want as few opportunities aside from as as few new opportunities, let's say, to vote aside from what we already have, which is already at this point, it's like 10 days you end up getting. You have 10 days to vote. So you have the opportunity to do that. And I've said this as somebody who has voted mail in before when I was working down in Washington, D.C., I voted most of those times. I want to say two of the three elections. I remember there was one election where I was up here in New York. Um, But most of the time I was down in Washington, D.C. for the midterms for Trump's election. I was down there. So I had to vote mail in. But guess what? I requested my ballot. And that should be connected to a driver's license. It could be connected to the last four digits of your Social Security number. We don't go that far here in New York. But the New York State Constitution really has two acceptable excuses for not casting your ballot in person at the polls. It's being away, which was my excuse, right? I was in Washington, D.C. I was at work at the time, even though I was a New York resident, which if you're working for the federal government and your capacity is the White House, I had pride that I was working uh, and still a New York native. It's the taxation without representation thing. I wasn't being taxed in Washington, D.C., but you get the point that I'm making. I was proud to be a New Yorker in there. I know Trump was very proud to be a New Yorker, uh, and then he became a Floridian, which, after seeing what happened this past week, can you blame him where they actually go after his businesses? I digress because I want to stay on this. This is such an important issue as we look forward to our 2024 elections and as you look forward to the gubernatorial elections again in 2026. This is going to cause more chaos at the ballot box. And the fact that the governor went against the will of the people to ram this through, knowing that they had a supermajority in the assembly, a supermajority in the state Senate, shows exactly what she thinks about New Yorkers. And let's go actually to what she said, because you get a lot from these statements that they end up making after all this. And, you know, they end up putting a bunch of You know, soft stuff like the John Lewis, John R. Lewis Voters Rights Act saying that this is basically in Congress, a completely partisan push on that. But 
what she ended up saying was, by safeguarding the integrity of our electoral process and ensuring equal access to the ballot box. I don't know how this ends up ensuring equal access to the ballot box. And if anything, everybody agrees, whether it's Jimmy Carter, Republican secretaries of state, all agree that if you don't have some type of a security at the ballot box, then guess what? You cannot safeguard the integrity. It's a guessing game whether or not those ballots are legitimate or they're not legitimate. By safeguarding the integrity of our electoral process, she continues, we empower every New Yorker to have their voice heard. New York State remains committed to strengthening our democratic process, maybe committed to uh, rolling back our democratic rights, and championing the right to vote for every citizen and cementing our place as a national leader on voting rights. The lieutenant governor, which of course, Kathy Hochul was the lieutenant governor because she was gifted the gubernatorial ship by Andrew Cuomo resigning, said the right to vote is a, is foundational to our democracy and any effort to limit this right is an attack on our freedoms. New York is proud to be a leader in protecting the right to vote, ensuring that New Yorkers have a chance to make their voices heard and make their opinions known. You know, what about protecting legitimate voters, right? What about that? What about making sure that the person who actually pays attention, who's focused in, who may listen to the WABCs, and they end up going to the polls while doing their research on candidates, going to town halls, right? Maybe they've donated to, to campaigns. They get one opportunity to cast their vote on election day, on general election day. What about protecting that person? What about protecting the idea that you can't just have this random craziness of mail-in ballots on demand, going here, going there? I remember hearing this from friends in New Jersey in 2020 that ended up getting four different mail-in ballots sent to their home because of the last three people that ended up living there. And, of course, they didn't end up returning it, but that's an opportunity for the system to really be vulnerable to this. So, to me, I know why Democrats are doing it. Right? They feel like it's more of an opportunity to keep power. They've got this fluff piece where they say it's John R. Lewis, it's the Voting Rights Act, and they've got the media completely, completely eating out of their hands. And you can go through... This I'll probably post this on my social media at Andrew H. Giuliani so you can see exactly what all of the leftist Democrats in the assembly in the state Senate ended up saying about this. State Senator Shelley Meyer said, I applaud Governor Hochul for her commitment to strengthening the future of our democracy by, by the way, by ignoring what New Yorkers voted against at the ballot box in 2021. Hey, guess what? If you want to go and try to make another amendment to the state constitution, then why don't you go take a look at what you presented voters on the ballot box, on their ballots in 2020, and present them something new, right? Go through the work and present voters something new. If you actually disagree with the New York state constitution saying that the only excuse should be being away or otherwise physically unable to vote in person, for having a mail-in ballot, then guess what? Put in the work, put in the effort, 
and present something to New Yorkers to actually vote on. And if they vote on it, then guess what? You've crafted that, you've gone through the process, and the people of New York have been heard. But sadly, that's not what this is. This is the traditional Albany deal where they are ramming something through against the will of the voters. Media didn't cover this. We heard a little bit on WABC, but the leftist media didn't cover this. It's important you know this stuff. Because as we continue to go into 2024, and New York's not going to be one of those states that's going to be one of those purple states on there. I know we all want it to be. And guess what? If it is, then Trump or whoever the GOP nominee is, is going to be winning. If New York is even close, then it's going to be a 350 electoral vote night for the Republican nominee, which, of course, I believe is Trump. But speaking of that, the junior varsity debate number two ended up happening this week. That's what I was quoted saying in one of the articles this week. They asked me about this, and I said, uh, just like when Travis Kelsey ended up catching that pass from Taylor Swift, the Chiefs pulled their starters and the junior varsity came in for the Chiefs up 40 points. Well, guess what? Trump's up 40 points, and the junior varsity was in for this debate on Wednesday night. But that's not just me. I think that's... A lot of Americans are feeling that way. And the numbers, right? You can say, well, look, I spend a lot of time with Trump. I golf with Trump. I work for him for four years and all that stuff. Andrew is biased. And guess what? You are right. I am a little biased toward Trump. I'm not going to sit here and say, no, no, I'm not. But what isn't biased are the numbers. So 2015, the very first presidential debate had over 24 million people watching. That was Trump's first debate. Everybody was fascinated. So you'd say, okay, well, that might have been an outlier. The second debate had 23 million. So literally dropped off 4.5%. You still had so many people watching that second debate, which is interesting because once football has started, people are back in school. They're a lot busier in September than they are in August. So you can see how much of an attraction Trump was. Well, the numbers for the two debates here in 2023 were 12 million for the first debate. So half of what it was for the first debate in 2020, 2015. And for this last debate, Wednesday night, 9.5 million people, which sounds like a lot of people, but to put it in perspective, every single debate in the 2015-2016 Republican GOP primary had over 11 million people. And I think the only one that didn't have over 15 million people was the one that Trump didn't participate in. So it just shows you how many eyeballs he actually brings to this. And I've got to be perfectly honest with you. I didn't really watch much of the Republican debate. I watched about 20 minutes. I was in and out. I got in late. And uh, I caught like the last basically 20 minutes and I've watched then pieces of it. So I've kind of pieced it all together. I haven't watched it from start to finish, but I tell you, I don't see anything moving the needle on this. This was the JV debate and Trump continues to win these as he's not present in all this. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now with us is the former director of ICE, somebody who I think has been really one of the outstanding leaders right now at a time over the last two and a half years where we've seen our border and really every single city, every single state in the country, and certainly broadcasting right here from Midtown Manhattan, only a few short blocks away from the Roosevelt Hotel, I can tell you that New York City has become a border city at this point. I'd like to welcome the former director of ICE, Tom Holman. Mr. Holman, Director Holman, great to have you here today. Hey, thanks for having me. Of course, of course. So look, I want to get right into this, considering where we're sitting right now with New York. Uh, What do you think about the situation going on in the city, in the state of New York, as somebody who has as much experience as you do, somebody who saw this from the inside, and somebody who really, frankly, had control of this situation, which has spiraled, I think, beyond out of control at this point? Well, first of all, New York matters to me. I, I was born and raised in New York, upstate New York, just north of Syracuse. Oh, wow. So New York State, it's, it's my home state. And, and New York City, I love it. And uh, you're right. New York is now a border state. Uh, look what's happened just in Buffalo just a few weeks ago. Two illegal aliens that were sent from the city up north uh, committed sexual assault against two women. Uh, and the problem is uh, they're releasing millions of people in the United States. I'm, and I don't use that term loosely. They've had six million border crossings. They've released over two million already in the United States. Add, add to that the 1.8 million gotaways. We got just under 5 million people that have entered this country illegally and been released in the United States or got away. And, every, and they're going to go to New York. They're going to go to sanctuary cities because they feel protected. And it's a shame because just the uh, day before yesterday, they had 11,000 11, apprehensions wow. on the border. You know how many repatriates, how many sent back? 119. Oh 119 goodness. out of 11,000. Wow. Now, Secretary Mayorkas testified that if they don't qualify, they'd be immediately turned around. If they don't use CBP-1, CBP-1, they'd be immediately turned around. He lied. Yeah. He lied like he's already lied. 11,000 caught, 119 returned. Rest of them, welcome to the United States. You're in the United States. Here's what, here's what the people in New York need to understand. They're not leaving. The Secretary Mayorkas has told ICE several times this past year, being in the country illegally, it's not enough for you to go seek an arrest. Wow. They have to be convicted of a serious, aggravated felony crime. Convicted. By the time they convict, by the time they commit a serious, aggravated felony, that's too late. Yeah. There's no prerequisite in the immigration law saying you got to commit a crime before ICE can arrest you. ICE ought to be arresting them now, and the Secretary of Mayorkas needs to be impeached because he's instructing career law enforcement officers not to enforce the law. But New York's in trouble because when the border's overwhelmed, and 70 to 90 percent of agents are also lying. It's just not illegal aliens that turn themselves in that New York's going to see. Mm-hmm. You're going to see massive amounts of fentanyl. You're going to see victims of sex trafficking, women and children. You're going to see known suspected terrorists. And I don't say that lightly either. Look, the Border Patrol's arrested 264 people on terrorist watch list. But here's what you need to know. Here's the key point. 1.8 million gotaways, like I just told you. These aren't a guess. These are known because they're caught in camera traffic, drone traffic, or sensor traffic. 1.8 million people have crossed the border since Joe Biden's been president and not been appreh- not apprehended 
not processed, not vetted. We don't know who they are or where they're from or where they're going. But I do know one thing. Border Patrol has arrested people from 171 different countries. Many of these countries are responsible for terror. Yeah. They've arrested 264. If you don't think a single one of that 1.8 million didn't come to this country to blow something up or commit a terrorist attack, then you're an idiot. Yeah. I'm just going by laws of averages and percentages. I don't know how many terrorists have crossed this border already, but someday we're going to find out, and it's going to be a bad day for America. On with former director uh, of ICE, Tom Homan, and so many different ways I want to go with that. But you mentioned the impeachment of Mayorkas, and I know one memo that you've really highlighted a bunch is a September 2021 memo that he ended up sending internally to Homeland Security, which ended up getting out, uh, and I think was actually published. I'm not sure if you actually got this out or if this was got a different way. But anyway, what I want to talk about here is he talks about the exercise of prosecutorial discretion and really how, you know, well, we don't even have to enforce this because of this, kind of what you talked about. And I would say, really, the case for impeaching Mayorkas is specifically that because he is actually, he's not, he's sworn an oath to the U.S. Constitution to faithfully execute the laws of the Constitution. And by deciding to ignore completely some of these laws, I think that's his I think that's exactly what you can impeach him on. But I guess my question, and you can, you know, uh, you can talk about that. But my question is, let's say you impeach Mayorkas. Does anything even change or is it just the next man up who's going to continue this crazy radical policy that's coming from the Biden administration? Well, the next man up, do the same thing or impeach him. We, we just yeah. can't. Look, he needs to be impeached. I've been calling for impeachment two years. He needs to be impeached for a number of reasons. Number one, instructing all law enforcement officers not to enforce the law. Mm-hmm. Number two, lying under oath. Several times he testified to Congress, lying under oath that the board is secure. He knew it wasn't. Yeah. And finally, he slandered the men of the horse patrol from the White House podium when two days prior to that event, yeah. he knew that they didn't do anything. He was advised by the person who took that film they didn't whip anybody. He was he was briefed by his own staff and the senior board patrol agents that he didn't no one whipped anybody. But two days later he said the White House called him and vilified the men and compared them to racists and the president did the same thing. And these men's careers aren't the same. They'll never be the same. They're still not back to full duty. That alone is a third reason for impeachment. But lying under oath is a felony. Yeah. He committed a felony in front of Congress when he said the border border was sealed. And look, he's, he's still lying. If, if his lips are moving, he's lying. He needs to be impeached. And here's what I said. I was asked the other day on the show. They said, well, isn't he just following the orders of the president? You've know, you got to really blame the president. I said, yeah, I can blame the president, too. But look, he's the Secretary of Homeland Security. Yeah. He took an oath. Yep. He knows the same data I spoke to you about. They might look at the CBP website. It's not a secret. 264 people off the terrorist watch list have been arrested. He knows there's 1.8 man got away. He knows border patrols arrest the people from 171 different countries, and some of these countries are sponsored terror. He knows that smugglers just smuggled a, a little over 100 people from special interest alien countries that the FBI is out looking for. And I'm telling you, it, it hasn't been released yet, but I guarantee you it's going to come out in the next week or so that they're looking for people that have a deep concern with that got into the United States unscathed or were released before they're fully vetted, and the FBI is looking for them. They're going to keep this close, though, but I'm hoping a patriot in the FBI or a patriot at HSI is going to leak this information because American people need to know. All of that is the reason he needs to be impeached. And I'm not going to – he shouldn't get protected by the president. If he, has, if he was a mayor of integrity, if he had any integrity at all, as the Secretary of Homeland Security, knowing what I know, he has the same debt I have, he, he have, you should go to the White House and tell Biden, look, 
I'm the Secretary of Homeland Security. I can't keep going like this. This is a huge national security failure. This is a national security risk. We got to we got to shut down that border. Since he hasn't done it, I hold him fully responsible. Yeah, fantastic points. You know, uh, as you know, as somebody who grew up in upstate New York, a little north of Syracuse, was you in, were you in Jefferson County, by the way, Director? Is that where you're from? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, it's uh, beautiful up there. Certainly, certainly I grew, during this. I grew up. I grew up four miles outside of Fort Drum. Did you really? When I was a kid. My dad was a cop. My grandfather was a cop up there. I didn't get an allowance. If I wanted an allowance, I went and milked cows at the local dairy farm. <laughs> and I went down to Fort Drum on the weekends with my brother, and we, and we shined boots in front of the PX for 50 cents a pair. Yeah. That's how I made my money as a kid. And, you know, I think Jefferson County might be, it might be the oldest fair in the country is the Jefferson County Fair, if I'm not mistaken. But It might be it, it, Jefferson Lewis just off of them. But, yes. Uh, Look, Jefferson County, that's Trump country, and, and I'm, I'm proud to be a part of that country. And matter of fact, I did an event just a month ago up there at the Italian American Club, and we talked about the border, and, and President Trump actually called and talked to the folks in Jefferson uh, that's County. That's awesome. Well, you know, I want to get back to New York City here. Um, look, we've had 130,000 migrants that have come to New York City, and you can hear the mayor who was calling <laughs> a year ago was calling the governor of Texas a racist, the governor who... Uh, completely ignored this disaster in an election year. They're all now begging for help from the federal government at this point. But I look at the numbers, just like you've listed through these numbers, New York has had 130,000 illegal migrants come to it, which is less than 1%, I'm sorry, less than 10% of the migrants, really less than 4% of the migrants that have crossed through the southern border and Texas. So to me, the question is, doesn't New Yorkers at this point, I mean, can't, can't you just realize that this is a problem that really ha- needs to have a federal solution? And if you end up giving, let's say, money to New York, then what about those border towns? Don't they need that much more money? So what does Texas look like now for the New Yorker that's actually looking at what's going on at the Roosevelt Hotel or looking at the fentanyl death that ended up happening up in the Bronx at the daycare. So can you just paint a picture of what's going on specifically on these border states for the New Yorkers? Well, look, if New Yorkers want to see this, you go down to the southern border of Texas or Arizona where these border towns are overrun. Yeah. There, you know, there's, there's literally hundreds of walking the street. Let me use an example. Over in Yuma, Arizona, so many illegal aliens are coming across that border patrol can contain. They just, they're just walking across. The border patrol is in the office processing. Eagle Pass just yesterday, they pulled every agent off the border at Eagle Pass to come in and process the overflow. They, they had thousands in custody. Yesterday, Border Patrol had over 25,000 in custody in their, in their station. Their stations aren't built to hold that many people. Yeah. So they got them out in the parking lot surrounded by a chain link fence. So they pulled every agent off the border. There wasn't a single agent for a couple hundred miles for two days. Not a single agent. You don't seem to try to come across that field day. So I, I, I employ you and, and, and look at the southern border, how they're over the run. And look, what, what you need to understand in New York is that governor, yeah, the governor Abbott sent some aliens there. But you know what? Joe Biden sent more than Governor Abbott all the time. Joe Biden has sent the airplanes in New York for the last two years. Yeah. They've been releasing people in New York for the last two and a half years. Yeah. And here's what New York needs to understand. Yeah. Even if somebody wasn't transporting to New York, they're coming to New York anyway. Because New York, you can go there and get you know, illegal aliens, go to New York City, get a driver's license, you can get a job, you can get in-state tuition. And it's a sanctuary city. Yep. He can even commit a crime, gets booked into Rikers Island, and they don't call ICE. Yeah. When I was ICE director, Amazing. I had 12 guys a shift at Rikers Island. We removed hundreds. 
of people out of Rikers Island, and not only removing from the neighborhoods, we removed from the country. But the New, York, the New York state leadership and New York City leadership kicked us out of Rikers Island when Biden became president. There's not a single ICE agent at Rikers Island. They're not allowed to call ICE agents. NYPD's not allowed to call ICE agents. So they're coming to New York anyways. Why wouldn't you? If you know you can get a job, you can get a driver's license, you can get in-state tuition, uh, you can get you can get financial help to fight the immigration case. They got they got a, a fund over there that helps them do that. And the, New York's going to give them lodging. You're going to give them three squares a day. You're going to give them medical attention. They're coming to New York anyway. I mean, who the hell wouldn't? If I was an illegal alien, I'd be running to New York. So until they end the sanctuary policies, they're going to keep coming. Let's fast forward here and let's say that our former boss, the 45th president of the United States, on January 20th of 2025, becomes the 47th president of the United States. What is the plan to secure our borders and deal with what, by that point, I don't know, might be 10 million illegal immigrants who would have come into our country during the Biden administration? The plan is, and I know the plan is, I've talked to the president numerous times. I've yeah. talked to him all the time. I talked to him just last week, and he asked me how long it would it take to secure the border. I told him 90 days. <laughs> Give me 90 days. Because we, we've done it. We know how to do it. All you got to do is brush off the Trump plan. Look, this administration could fix this tomorrow yeah. if they put the Remain in Mexico program back in. Mm-hmm. The Supreme Court's already said it's legal. Mm-hmm. They could do it, but they don't want to fix this. They want millions to come in because I think they're true to Democratic voters. And they don't even have to get there because Biden also overturned the Trump census, overturned the Trump census rule, which means the millions of people that are releasing in will be counted in the next census in sanctuary cities. So when they reproportionate seats in the House, Democrats get more seats in the House. They sold this country out for, for future political power. And that, that is just disgusting in itself. But if Trump comes back, I already made a commitment. Trump comes back, I come back. I'll run the largest deportation operation in this nation's history. But we're also going to lock down the border. We're going to put the Remain in Mexico program back in. We're going to do the third state country agreement. So if you're escaping what you claim to be fear and persecution from Honduras and you get to Mexico, while you obviously escaped the fear and persecution from your home government, you're in a free country, you need to claim asylum there, not the United States. We're going to keep building the wall. We're going to demand Mexico put uh, military troops on the northern and southern border, just like President Trump forced them last time. If they don't, he'll tear up the hell out of them. We will fix this. We have fixed this. We got the playbook. We'll get it locked down. But the, bet, but the hard work is going to be removing those who are in the country illegally. And I've said it. For the millions of people who have been released in the United States, here's what your audience needs to understand. Mm-hmm. You look at the t- last 10 years of immigration court data. Here's what it said. Nearly 9 out of 10 people who claim asylum at our border, never get relief from the U.S. courts because they simply don't qualify or they don't show up. So nine out of ten of these men are going to be ordered removed by a federal judge. And I plan on sticking out as many as I can and remove them. Can I remove 20 million people? No. But I'll give it one hell of a shot. Wow. Well, former Director Holman, just a couple more questions here before we got to let you go. Um, you know, I've recently been hearing from Democratic politicians, whether it's, you know, crazy lefties like uh, Ariana Presley or Newsom, who has a complete disaster in California, that this has been a problem for years and years and years, trying to basically kind of say, hey, look, this isn't a problem that just started with the Biden administration. What do you say to that as somebody who, like I said, had this border under control just a few short years ago? Look, I hear them all saying, oh, let's just hire more border agents. Let's get technology. Let's, let's, let's have an amnesty. Look, this country is showing over and over again. If you enter a country illegally, which is a crime, 
you get order removed and you don't leave, you just hide out successfully for a few years and amnesty rolls around, you get rewarded. If we keep rewarding illegal behavior, we're never going to solve the border crisis. We're going to keep trying to come. Unless there's someone like President Trump who's going to issue executive orders and Congress isn't going to fix it and, and deny amnesty, then the President of the United States, President Trump, will just issue executive orders and do what he did before and take action on the border. But for those who said this has been going on for a while, it has. I've been doing this 35 years, but I've worked for six presidents, starting with Ronald Reagan. Every president took steps to try to secure the border. Some did better than others. Even Obama and Clinton took, took some steps. Mm-hmm. No one did more than Trump. Trump proved with consequence, with deterrence, you can, you, can, you can have a secure border. So for those people that are naysayers, I simply say this. Well, look at the Trump administration's data. Go to CBP.gov and look what he did. Where, where we're averaging, I don't know, about 40,000 a month trying to get in the country. And right now, we have 50,000 entered within four days. Wow. So they've blown this thing sky high. And the difference between us and them, the 40,000 that try to get in, they didn't get catch. They didn't get catch and release. Wow. We detained them and we removed them. When I was the ICE director, right now they're paroling millions of people in the country, paroling, which is a misuse of the pro statute. I know what the pro statute says. You can parole on a case-by-case basis based on the specifics of the case for humanitarian significant public benefit. They're not doing that. They're paroling millions. There's no, there's no case-by-case analysis of abuse in the pro statute. When I was, I was ICE director for, I don't know, a year and a half, you know how many people I paroled? How many? Three. Wow. Three. <laughs> Two that testified. In, in a, a drug, uh, a huge drug investigation, we brought them and testified, and then they left. And one for humanitarian reasons. It was a, uh, he had, uh, if I remember, he had a U.S. citizen daughter that needed a transplant. Right. So we brought him in, give the transplant, and went home. Three. Wow. Three. They're doing thousands a day. That's wild. Yesterday, I, I, Dave Reyes had 11,000 entrants. 119 went home. The rest were paroled into the United States. In one day, that's what they did. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, hey, look, final question here, Director Holman. You know, you said the numbers don't lie, and I could tell you, I remember this specifically here from my time in the White House. Um, there were opioid death increases for 30 straight years until President Trump came in. And by 2016, 2019, we actually saw a do- decrease by about 17%. And that was starting to go down. Of course, now with this administration, you've seen it skyrocket back up to over 100,000 a year, setting new records. Um, you know, what can you tell to the families that have lost someone or to somebody who has a young daughter who's thinking about what kind of a country their daughter is going to grow up in? What can you tell to the families in terms of what the difference our southern border means being secure in their everyday life? Here's what they need to understand. Don't, don't believe the lies being told by the Democrats. They say that fentanyl is coming through port of entries. Most of the fentanyl is being smuggled by Americans through the port of entries. That is just that is a stone-cold lie. Here's the, here's the fact. Yeah, most fentanyl is seized at a port of entry because every vehicle stopped. Every driver spoken to, depending on the responses to the question, he may be secondary in the vehicle search. Also, they have the CBP targeting system. I can't tell you what's in it. But when they run that license plate number, that system may, based on various databases, may say, this is a vehicle you may want a secondary take a closer look at. So, of course, there's season more fentanyl on the board. Every vehicle stops. But the cartel is going to use the route of least resistance, and that's between the port of entries because they know 
The board shows overwhelmed. What like I told you earlier, 70 to 90% of agents are off the line. And even <laughs> past yesterday, they had nobody on the line. That's when the fentanyl wow. comes across. It's not a coincidence. In the two and a half years of historic illegal migration where board shows have been overwhelmed, the majority are off the line, they have a record amount of overdose deaths. So this is directly related to an uncontrolled border, an open border. And I'll say this. Look, most of these children that are dying are dying of poisonings. I don't call them overdoses. Yeah. I call them poisonings. You're right. Because China's providing Mexican cartels with the precursors. They're making it. Mexico's turned a blind eye. He says they don't have a fentanyl problem. We're making it up. Look, President Trump needs to get back in office. He will hold the president of Mexico accountable. He will call the head of China and tell him to stop producing the precursors and the sentiments of the cartels. He'll hold them accountable. With this administration, look, this is, President Trump made America great again. President Biden made China great again. Yeah. End of story. Sadly, you're right. You know what? We got to go, but I got to tell you, you said if Trump gets in, you get in. And I can tell, and I know from working with you, that there's nobody that can get the job done like you, Director Holman. Thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. And I'm going to go back to Trump. I'll go back for free. I'm so pissed off. (laughs) Well, they better darn pay you as well because you'd actually do a good job, unlike this current current disaster that's going on with our administration. So, God bless you, man. Keep telling this. I appreciate shows like yours. I'm a one-man show. So guys like you that are out there telling the American people the truth, keep it up. Don't let it up. Well, you have a home here anytime, Director Holman, and thank you again for all your time. Thank you for everything that you do for our country, and thank you for your sacrifice. And let's pray to the Lord that you are back in Washington, D.C. in January of 2025. 